Okay, today we're talking to Jeff Sean. Uh, Jeff is a, a former Missouri state representative, and he's currently running uh, from the board of an electrical co-op uh, called Ozark Border in rural Missouri. And Jeff and I met uh, through the co-op system, you know, where uh, in my business mining Bitcoin, looking for energy. And I was... Uh, Got a little peek behind the curtain, I guess you could say, as to how the political system works at the state level. Uh, Jeff took me up and introduced me to some folks that he knows there, some of who are still serving because Missouri uh, is considering some legislation that would offer some protections to Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining uh, at industrial scale and at home scale. And he's agreed to sit down and talk about uh, I guess you could say Bitcoin and politics and <laughs> how they merge or maybe how they don't merge. So, yeah. Jeff, welcome to the show. That, wow, thank you, and thanks for that nice introduction. And it's an honor to be able to sit and chat about my favorite subject in the whole world. Bitcoin. Politics. <laughs> <laughs> Bitcoin. <laughs> I, I like politics. I've been, I've, I was first involved in politics. Uh, I got interested in politics when I was a young teenager and um, worked on my first campaign. Uh, I was so young that somebody had to come and pick me up and and uh, bring me in so I could work at headquarters. And so um, the, the reason I've been interested in politics is I acutely, I realized acutely at a very young age that politics is literally everything. And, you know, some people say, oh, I don't, I don't like to, I don't like politics. Well, it doesn't really matter whether you like politics or you don't, I would submit to you that if you live in a house uh, with two humans and a dog, there's politics with the dog. There's er, Politics literally runs the world. And so you can ignore it, but if you do that, you're just handing over that control to somebody else. Or you can just embrace it and say, you know, I'd like to steer politics in the direction of what I think is best in this world. And, uh, and it's a good thing when that happens. So um, when you say, uh, you know, it may affect you even if you don't like it, uh, something that, you know, happened when I was uh, speaking to some of the people you introduced me to at the state level is, um, you know, for those of you that don't know, uh, there, there is a, a bill that's under proposal, I, I guess, now because the legislative uh, session has ended that that won't get taken back up until next year. Right. But I was able to... Uh, meet some of the people who would ultimately decide if this bill would uh, pass or not. And uh, I was actually kind of shocked to learn that a lot of these folks uh, really don't even know what Bitcoin is, let alone Bitcoin mining. And uh, that really was an eye-opener for me. I, but prior to meeting Jeff, uh, anyone who knows me in real life would know 
uh, while I may have paid attention to politics, I, I definitely did not trust the process. And, and I definitely think um, it, it, at the federal level now, it, it may be a lost cause. Uh, but this experience at the state level show, has shown me if you can get in front of the right person, you really can you know, make an impact to help them understand. Um, what do you think that looks like you know, for states that are considering you know, trying to pass legislation that, that might encourage Bitcoin mining or uh, you know, we're in Missouri, uh, which I, th I think is probably not top of mind when people think about mining Bitcoin. What do you think um, the opportunity is, you know, at the state level, you know, for Bitcoin in general? Yeah, so uh, just in general, it's huge because, you know, uh, if you really understand Bitcoin and its role in the world and you understand and embrace what uh, proof of work is and uh, in then you're going to understand that Bitcoin mining is going to go on for the next, I guess, 120, 130 years. And it's a, a, an incredible opportunity for the long-term uh, prosperity of people and nations. And the Bitcoin mining process um, is a remarkable uh, advantage for any state that embraces it and you know, rolls out the red carpet and makes it, uh, creates an incentive that would make miners want to come to Missouri or any state. Long-term prosperity for those people uh, will be affected. It, but here's the thing, you know, one of the sayings, if I'm a Bitcoin maximalist for those who are listening, so some of the things I'll say you'll, you'll already understand, but basically Bitcoin doesn't care, <laughs> yes. you know? And so, but I care. So Bitcoin doesn't care. I buy, just so you know, I buy Bitcoin every single day, seven days a week. I don't look at the price. I do look at the price. <laughs> but, I, but my buying is set, and it happens seven days a week. So, you know, I have a particular belief about the future of Bitcoin. Uh, and I do, I know for a fact it's going to be around for another 120, 130 years. And there will be some version of mining and infrastructure i'm sure that will evolve from all that but you know when satoshis are a dollar a piece then you know you the the bitcoin reward can be very small and so if you understand bitcoin then you understand mining is here to stay and then you should understand that whatever peoples nations states counties villages neighborhoods that engage in bitcoin mining successfully that's going to create prosperity for that entire universe. And for those listening, um, you know, Jeff is not actively being a politician now, uh, no, but, but I think Bitcoin it's guy. fair to say you, <laughs> you still think like a politician. Sure. And it was a little shocking to me to hear uh, Jeff describe himself as a Bitcoin maximalist. And I've known him long enough to know now that he can back that up. You know, he's not just saying that uh, to get votes or donations like, like, maybe some people are in the last couple of days, you know, I, I don't know, you know, I'd like to believe it's true, but uh, I think a lot of hardcore Bitcoiners have, have been disappointed before. Sure. You know, there, there is hope there's Cynthia Loomis and she seems to be walking the walk yeah. uh, and not just talking. And then and there are some other, you know, others who have um, at least on the fringes touched Bitcoin. But when you're talking about the, the longevity of it, like how long Bitcoin's going to be around, I think, uh, messaging from politicians is usually very short term and a, criti a, criti a criticism of the political process is 
you're looking at things, these short order effects that we're going to do this, and but what's that going to look like in five years or 10 years? Well, I think a lot of politicians don't care because they know they're going to be done, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's like all of these uh, misaligned incentives. And, and even if a person comes into that process with good intentions, I think it can be tough. But when you think about mining, you know, in, in Missouri, you know, not top of mind, I think miners are thinking about places like Texas, you know, and sure. before that, maybe. Although they had a scare in Texas. <laughs> they did. <laughs> and uh, that's part of, uh, again, in my transformation that I, I think at the state level, I, I think some uh, some political action and getting some protections in place, you know, could be useful. I, I think it's uh, trickier than it sounds. I think you have to make sure that you get good legislation, you know, and that's where you know, people like you come in who actually understand this and, and can maybe translate for some of these people. Well, if we don't win in some of these states, then the industry of mining Bitcoin is going to go other places in the world, and those places will enjoy the prosperity. And so, it, and you were being kind of nice, I would just tell you that the federal level, in particular, the interests that are in place, um, certain senators who speak out against Bitcoin, they are owned, and I think I know the audience I'm talking to, they are owned by the fiat gods. Yes. And they are puppets. They'll say any ridiculousness um, and fanciful things because they want to drive a narrative or they want to, to me, they're trying to suppress Bitcoin, but they, they, they're looking for a way that they can stop it. They can't. It'll just go elsewhere if you suppress it. I mean, we know China found out, right? Yeah. I mean, they, <laughs> you know, Bitcoin still exists. It's going to exist in the world. So, um, I love the United States of America for all of our all of our difficulties. I love the state of Missouri where I was born and raised, and have spent um, most of my life. Um, and so, I want us to enjoy that prosperity. And I live in rural, beautiful, scenic Ozarks, rural Missouri. And we have these amazing co-ops, cooperatives, um, that supply electricity to uh, people here. And so I want, on the one hand, the prosperity for our community and for our state of having, uh, you know, the investment in Bitcoin mining. And at the same time, it's remarkable the advantage of things that can be done to support rural cooperatives and keep the escalating price of energy at an affordable level for rural Missouri, which is, you know, in terms of income is low compared to other parts of the nation. Yeah, and for those listening who may not know, uh, I think a lot of, uh, it, it's difficult to have a, a podcast that focuses on mining because you really need uh, visual aids a lot of times, I think, to make people understand. Uh, but I think everybody knows, even if you're not a miner, you know, the price of energy is is everything and uh, getting access to the energy at the right price uh, in a secure way. And, you know, so, you know, you're going to have that. But a lot of people may not know uh, what a rural cooperative is. And uh, just to, to kind of fill in the blank for you, uh, when the electrical system was being, being built out uh, at the turn of the century, uh, all of the, the for profit uh, energy companies that were being created uh, they were energizing and running wires in the cities. And the reason they did that is is they were charging money for the service. And you have very dense populations, lots of people clustered together, way cheaper uh, to run energy lines and gain customers in somewhere like New York City, you know, versus somewhere in, in rural southeast Missouri where we live. Um, so it just made no sense, you know, for, for a for-profit 
energy company to lay 10 miles of wire and maybe get three customers when they could go and lay 10 miles of wire in the city and get thousands of customers. Uh, so uh, an initiative uh, was created by the federal government, I believe, under Roosevelt. Uh, I may be wrong about that, but it established the co-op system, uh, which they are not for profit and they are owned and operated by their members. So you're not a customer of the power company, you're a member. And certain members are elected to serve on boards. And so they have you know, CEOs and accountants and, and all the things you would have in a normal energy company. But you also have this board, uh, which makes the final decision on actions that the co-op will take and um, participates in the rate setting process and things like that. And those are all members of those uh, communities that are representative. So it's, uh, it's actually uh, more like a, a political process set up than an actual for-profit corporation. But the, the big key difference is, uh, given that they're not for profit, their mandate is to reduce costs for their customers and be a good stu- steward of resources. So they don't necessarily care if they make money. They, they have to make money to cover their expense. But anything beyond that is actually returned to members. Uh, and while all of this sounds uh, really great, and it is, uh, there are huge inefficiencies in this system because of the way they operate uh, and the way they make energy and the way they distribute it. And uh, we uh, actually, the, the mine that, that my company operates, uh, we're able to operate um, within those inefficiencies. We were able to find, a, in our case, a dormant substation from a, a large business. It was a wood chip mill that closed. And we were able to bring that site back to life and create an income stream for the co-op. And in exchange for that, we receive a more lucrative rate. Uh, but there's actually other opportunities uh, beyond that, which is what Jeff's touching on that uh, the substations that do still have something to do, uh, the way uh, energy is created and built at those substations uh, creates a huge opportunity for the co-op to give Bitcoin miners even lower prices and for those miners to be able to switch off when that energy is needed. A lot of people listening probably know about demand response uh, in places like Texas. You know, Texas has their own grid. Uh, many states, you know, do not, uh, but every state has a co-op. Like they're literally serving 54% of the landmass. So from, from where you sit, from, for lack of a better word, from the political perspective, you know, what should a state, states like Missouri be doing you know, at the state level uh, to try to take advantage of this opportunity that, that many of them may not even know exist? Well, the, the, I think the thing that's right in front of us that, that everybody uh, is at least aware of um, across the nation is that there's this um, cultish um, green religion that is taking over um, and you know it has a lot of different facets to it. Part of it is driving Bitcoiners to try to find quote renewable energy sources to satisfy the demands of those people and I'm, I'm okay with you getting energy efficiently any way that you can. But what I'm, what I'm coming to is the cultishness of this group is to the point where they've decided because Bitcoin mining, uh, is, you know, uses electricity, that therefore that is not green, to use their vernacular. And therefore there's, like, across the nation, there's, there's cities and counties, and I think even the state of New York, I believe, has banned Bitcoin mining. 
in some and, some cases banned and uh in other cases a moratorium but but you're right they're making it very very against. very hard to operate effectively yeah and then you know you hear rumors about what went on in texas when this bill suddenly popped up in the senate i think we kind of know that uh some extraordinarily wealthy people uh their maybe their ox was going to get gored uh, because of bitcoin mining stabilizing texas energy and yes. you know so i mean we're going down the rabbit hole here but that you, you know so what i'm getting at though is that there are forces at work to try to to they'll either uh it'll either be the fiat gods trying to suppress or try to stop bitcoin or people with other uh moneyed interests that will push back against and oftentimes they're leading this band of religionists who who you can't talk sense to about about energy and power and they'll like they'll start a, a march in their neighborhood and next thing you know the evil bitcoin mining is banned it's just it the stupidity of it is will just it makes my eyes bleed but <laughs> but but you but you can't ignore it because that's why we're where we are yeah for for those of you that may not know what Jeff's talking about is is seemingly rather suddenly and out of left field. Uh, the Texas Senate, t- Texas has been very encouraging of Bitcoin mining, and there's um, some legislation that's proposed that would limit the amount of uh, curtailment or demand response that Bitcoin miners are allowed to participate in. But it would only apply that provision to Bitcoin miners and not other um, energy consumers. Yeah. And uh, the rumor on the street that I guess nobody can prove is true is that after the the bad winter storm a few years ago uh, when the renewables um, in Texas didn't perform very well, it it was decided um, that it would be good to invest in uh, what are called natural gas peaker plants, which is uh, a fancy way of saying an energy source that you can spin up rather quickly when needed, uh, but it's typically very expensive to operate it compared to something like coal or, or even renewables, which are actually more costly without government subsidies. Um, but uh, it took a few years to build all of that. And so meanwhile, the Bitcoin miners have been, you know, quite happily providing demand response. And this last, <laughs> last winter uh, performed, uh, last winter and summer performed very well. And now uh, those plants are ready to come online. And, and I guess the, the rumor is uh, companies like Berkshire Hathaway have interest in that. I, I don't know if that's true. And I certainly don't want to attract a lawsuit from somebody like a Berkshire Hathaway. But I do find it interesting that those plants are ready to come online. And now suddenly it seems like uh, the political apparatus in Texas thinks Bitcoin mining might be bad. And then right at the same time, we had that hit piece come out in the New York Times uh, talking about how wasteful Bitcoin's energy use. Right. And, and I think <laughs> it's preposterous. It, it's a good way to tie that in and say you may not care about politics, but it is going to care about you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that, that and that's that's the, that's the point is, you know, regardless, uh, you know, I there's all kinds of speculation as to who we don't have to know who we just know that there is a moneyed interest uh, that really goes beyond the green cultish side that is that drove things to suddenly it was crafty it was it, it was a a booby trap if you will yes. that was suddenly sprung and scared everybody to death but see that's my point is that okay go ahead and ignore politics i mean if you're a bitcoin maximalist and and you realize like i do that bitcoin represents freedom and i've heard jeff booth who is one of my mentors say that 
you know, basically politics is just theater and Bitcoin doesn't care. But in the meantime, you know, we're living in the communities that we live in. And, you know, Bitcoin mining is going to occur somewhere. Somebody's going to get unbelievable prosperity for it. And I would love for Missourians to share in all that. And I would just tell you that, I mean, um, you know, when I testified on behalf of uh, Representative Cristofanelli's bill for Bitcoin mining, that, you know, some of the legislators knew enough that they understood what was good about it. And a lot of it was just going along party lines. But there was there were a group of legislators that were, I mean, they had a vicious attitude against Bitcoin. And if, if you have that take hold in a state legislature somewhere, all of a sudden you can wake up and go, holy cow, these miners got to pack up their stuff and go. Yeah, we. Uh, I, I won't name the person's name because they are still up there. But uh, we, we went into a meeting and I was being questioned as, you know, what, what is this? Why is this legislation good? Why should I want this to, to even be in Missouri? Why is this a thing? And my answer to that, which um, I've since talked about a lot, it, it literally just occurred to me on the fly in that meeting. But uh, from the point of view, I think of a typical politician who, you know, what, what is their goal? Hopefully, you know, if they're serving and behaving honestly, you know, they want their state to be prosperous. They want to support and introduce legislation that they believe in, that they think will make a positive impact, even if we may not agree with that person's politics. Hopefully that's what they're doing. Um, so I, I thought about the idea of a data center. People like to compare Bitcoin mines to data centers. Yeah. Um, part of what this legislation would do is it's, it says, uh, among other things, that you can't treat a Bitcoin mine differently than you would treat a data center. You can't say uh, Bitcoin mine, data, energy use bad, data center energy use good. Yeah, you, know, you can't right. do that. And, and I think that part of the, the bill is definitely great, and we need things like that. But if yes. you think about it like a data center. It is a data center, by the in, way. In Missouri, which I think compared to a lot of states is kind of unique, is if, if Amazon, say, was going to come and build a data center in Missouri, uh, where are they going to do it? it? Well, we know it's going to be around St. Louis or around Kansas City for right. a variety of reasons, some political, some access to technology and fiber and so on. Yes. Uh, in Missouri, those two cities are right on the, the edge of our states. We actually share those cities <laughs> with two other states. Yes. And in the central part of Missouri, there, there's a lot there that I think most people don't know about. But most of it is very rural, a lot of agriculture and things like that. So the analogy that I used is, so instead of Amazon coming and saying, you know, we'll invest however many billions of dollars and we'll build this data center and we're going to have St. Louis and Kansas City fight over which one gets it, you know, and we're going to expect and demand all of these tax incentives and, and other favors and things. And uh, perhaps they're going to make large donations to politicians who are, who are maybe going to need that to be able to rewin their races and, you know, love that or hate that. Unfortunately, money is the way this thing works. Yeah. And that's what the way it's going to be. Bitcoin, totally opposite. You're going to build one big distributed data center all throughout the state. One person or entity doesn't necessarily need to own the whole thing. I would like to own all of it, but <laughs> it's probably not going to be me. But, I, but I'm going to own part of it, you know, part yeah. of the rails. Right. But Bitcoin will go into the most underserved, unused, unprosperous areas, areas where businesses have failed, uh, steel mills, uh, timber industry, textiles, you name it you know, from America's glory days before we sent all of the, the manufacturing overseas, right. all of that infrastructure is sitting around and that's what Bitcoin miners are building on. Yeah. You know, we can do this, 
you know, it's great to have fiber optic lines and hard lines and things like that. You can do it with Starlink. You can do it on HughesNet. You know, right. it doesn't need a lot of bandwidth. And it's going to Which is remarkable. Yeah, it, 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 I, I was, <laughs> you know, my background's in technology. I'm still amazed at how little bandwidth it needs to do what it does. You know, it's <laughs> crazy that, that because it takes so much energy to create these solutions. Yes. But it doesn't take anything just to transfer. Yeah, to, to it, move that. Yeah, you, you have a machine that's 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 guessing uh, millions of millions of times a second all the actions happening on the machine, and yeah. then it's sending these very small packages like you know here's a guess, here's a guess. You know, it, it's that's it's, amazing. It's incredible. Yeah. It, it's more than amazing. It's um, the more I, I I'll never understand all of it, uh, but every day I learn something new about it, and I'm just like I can't even believe that it exists. And and how lucky am I? Uh, to be the age that I am, and I got to witness uh, the internet, you know, kind of take hold and change everything, and now I get to see another one, two in a lifetime, you know, yeah, right, of yeah. these world changing, massive events. disruption, massive disruption. But to to cap the point is, uh, you know, we're not going to ask Bitcoin, Bitcoin miners, Bitcoin itself, certainly because there is no Bitcoin company. Uh, we're not going to ask for tax breaks. We're going to ask to pay more taxes. You know, we're not going right. to ask the co-op. Uh, hey, we'll build our data center here, but you got to invest $2 million in this infrastructure. No, the infrastructure is already there. Somebody else already paid for it. It's sitting there. Really, we, we will pay to connect to it. Really, Roger, I to kind of summarize what you're saying is Bitcoin miners are saying just let us leave us alone and let us mine. Yeah. And, you know, and so I think that that's, that fits in. If you understand people who love Bitcoin and especially Bitcoin mining, that just makes perfect sense that that would be the attitudes. We don't need anything extra, but just don't tell us we can't. Don't put up obstacles to try to keep us from doing it. If we see an unused energy source that's out in a field somewhere that's just being burned up and sent, and we can use that to turn a turbine and mine Bitcoin, then let us, because that's all really good. So, you know, ultimately Bitcoin mining is very green, but... If you're a, a call yourself a green person, go go do your research, and you will find out as I did that Bitcoin is the opposite of what Sierra Club uh, testified against that bill, and they 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 just didn't have any facts. They didn't bring any facts to the table. They literally didn't know what they were talking about. And if you're sincere about what's best for the environment, then don't be afraid of what the actual answer is. If you're sincere, yeah. If you don't have if, another agenda. If you are sincere. Because if you do, you that's right. If you are sincere about that, then don't be afraid to study Bitcoin because Bitcoin is not politics. Bitcoin doesn't care about party. Bitcoin just is freedom. And I, I got to believe, regardless of where you are on the political spectrum, when you just throw off everything else and then get down to what is Bitcoin, you can only come... To one conclusion, and I've never, I, I, when I talk to people about Bitcoin, I know within 30 seconds that that they either have zero knowledge level or they have enough knowledge to be dangerous. You know, if you haven't put in the time, I will tell you, Roger, I've completely lost track. I've got literally thousands of hours in listening to Michael Saylor and all the other mentors, um, watching YouTube's, reading books, reading articles reading things that are said against it. I did my homework. I know why I believe what I believe. And I really honestly believe it doesn't take 
incredible intellect to understand Bitcoin. No. But you have to stay at it. Yes. But I've never found anybody who has studied as much as me that then says, oh, well, Bitcoin is not a good idea or it's going to go away. I've never found that person. I've read uh, before that it's uh, uh, the number seems to be 10,000 hours of study into any one subject uh, qualifies you as an expert. Now, I don't I don't know whose measurement that is, (laughs) but but it's arbitrary. (laughs) But but I do think if you've genuinely put that much time into looking at at anything, uh, if not an expert, you're certainly quite knowledgeable about it. And, and sure. you're you're right. Um, I talked about this on the this is my second episode. You know, I talked about this on on the last one. But um, you know, it, it, I found out about it in 2013. I didn't really get back on the. I looked into mining it and everything, and I dismissed it. Didn't come back till 2017 when the price was popping because you you come for the money and you stay for the money <laughs> <laughs> when you fully understand it. Yeah. Uh, but even then, Ethereum was around at that time, and I had to go through the whole. Well, I'm going to mine Ethereum because I understand yeah. this, and Ethereum seems like better money because they at the time uh, the messaging was very alluring and the price point was lower. You get this unit, what's called unit bias, where hey, this this stuff's way cheaper than this Bitcoin thing, right? You know, and, and so it still took me, you know, an a, a, more than a year it took me a while and then finally uh, kind of realizing what bitcoin actually is uh, and thank thank god for me that i figured it out before i went through (laughs) heavy losses you know and and i seldom meet people who didn't have some variation of that before they really understood that they should be bitcoin only and uh you know uh, you don't necessarily have to call yourself a maximalist i think that you know for some people that has negative connotations but yeah and i'm not that guy i don't I mean, yeah, I'll call them shit coins. Am I allowed to say that on your podcast? <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah you are allowed I, to say shit coins. <laughs> I will call them, you know, here's the thing. It's not that I don't think that there is any crypto product that could be good. It's just that I, I don't have the obvious intellect, and I certainly don't have the time to try to figure out out of 6,000 opportunities which one is the valid one that will be here in five years. Yeah, you can, you know, I, you know we're raising money, uh, and we've taken in some money, uh, been talking to a lot of institutional folks and, and they all say the same thing, even if they are open, you know, to shit coins and other yeah. things, they say Bitcoin is the only thing that's proven. Correct. Now, I so agree. With yeah. That. But, but to them, what that means is there is a history that they can look at to make an informed investment decision. Oh, um, yeah. so, you know, I think it's pretty telling that even if they might consider giving money to something else, they're not. <laughs> yeah. Know, they're just is, not. That is compelling. But you know, it's, it's just, um, it, so, I, but I am a Bitcoin maximalist, and I I sigh a little bit when people say just cr- crappy things to anybody if they mention an NFT. Uh, I don't have a penny in any of those things. But to be honest, Roger, I got I got into Bitcoin because I got lured into a rug pull. Um, it's, it, it's I don't have, I don't even know if you can call it a crypto product, but I invested some money. Um, not a lot for me. And then all of a sudden I'm going, okay, now I've spent money on this because a buddy of mine encouraged me. And I have no, I, I will hug him when I see him because if it weren't for him, I wouldn't have gotten orange pilled, you know, two, a little over two years ago. And, you know, I bought all the way through the dip, I mean, through the bear market, because by the time all that happened, I understood crypto and I understood Bitcoin. And, you know, my opinion is, you know, Bitcoin, crypto is not Bitcoin. No. 
And, no, it's not. And if you understand that, if you really understand that, then you, then you're at an important crossroads, and you can you can reach a level of understanding that makes you look at the entire world differently. And um, in in your words, I guess to close this out, sure. Uh, to anyone listening who is maybe like I was and says, uh, you know, the, this politics thing, it's stupid, it's a waste of time, uh, they all lie, uh, it's all about money, it's all corrupt, uh, there's no point engaging in the process. What would you say to a, a person like that to, to maybe make them, uh, sway them over to your side to say maybe it's something you should at least keep an eye on or, or ways they could potentially help? Uh, you know, I would, uh, I would apply the same axiom to every avenue of life, uh, and that is to say, you know, you ignore politics at your own peril. Um, and I, I mean, history is replete with circumstances where the population at large didn't care, didn't look carefully at what was being done, and then things were done that took away their ability to affect what was being done. And, you know, on a microcosm level, that's what we're faced with with Bitcoin. There are enemies. There are multiple enemies. There are, you know, narrow interests, like what was encountered in Texas, there's broad-based, powerful, most powerful, richest people in the world, the fiat gods, uh, and I'm just using that you know term rhetorically. But if you're if you're a Bitcoin person, you know what I'm talking about. They don't want Bitcoin, but I will tell you, I believe some of them are secretly buying Bitcoin and hedging their bet because sure they by if if they've done a deep study, they know they really can't stop it. Yeah. Now, that's uh, maybe a good place to stop. You can't yeah. stop it. <laughs> All right. Well, Jeff, th- <laughs> that's great. thank you for coming in today and uh, sharing your insight. And uh, uh, Jeff is on Noster. Uh, you know, yeah. he may be the first politician on Noster. I'm not <laughs> sure. Uh, but I'll make sure I have his impub in the show notes. Um, oh, great. Yeah. So if you have any questions for Jeff, you can reach out to him. Jeff, thanks for coming on. Well, thanks for having me. I hope we do it again. Yes.